Hi, I'm Kaylee Greer, and you're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to another edition of He Shoots, He Draws. And I've said this before, but sometimes you just have very special people on the podcast. And today is someone who is, I could, uh, there's not enough superlatives to describe her. She's one of the nicest, most talented, hardworking people I've had the pleasure to not only meet, teach alongside and spend time with, but today we've got Miss Kaylee Greer. Oh my gosh, Hello. you humble me, Dave. You humble <laughs> me beyond words. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're happy to have you. I mean, it's. I know we kind of planned this a while back, and at the time, um, there were rumblings of the book, um, which you're going to be talking about today. And then we we kind of said, let's wait till the book's ready, and then have you on and I know you've just actually seen your first hard copy I do believe you got it it arrived in the mail to me on the weirdest day of my life um I just purchased my first home ever during the like the strangest year in history (laughs) (laughs) all these kinds of crazy things are happening and I I bought a home which I never thought was going to be possible I figured that that was like a a big dream that was reserved for other people not for me. <laughs> it was like a big <laughs> lofty dream that I had. Um, and as a professional dog photographer, it was pretty hard to convince the mortgage company <laughs> that my job is actually real. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's your hobby. But what's your day job? <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, the day that uh, we closed on our house, um, we then loaded up the moving truck at our apartment and that took us like 11 or 12 hours. And by the time then it was about like an hour drive to our new house. And when I got here, it was three o'clock in the morning. And it, I was just like kind of stepping over the threshold for the first time ever, like using my key for my new, my first ever home. And I went to you, put the key in the door and I looked down at my feet and on the little welcome mat there, there was a copy of the book the first ever copy with a big giant congratulations on the outside of it which was like such a surreal moment it was so magical and so incredible and uh, it reminds me that nothing is impossible (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly and that's such a nice feeling when you get um like for uh, i mean i have my first book this year alan's written multiple books alan alan's written libraries (laughs) that's right like millions i have like all of them millions of them (laughs) isn't it lovely when when you when you think of all the time and planning and preparation you, you put into the book, checking, you know, picking what photographs you need. <sighs> but when when you pick up that first cover, the feeling you get when you're like, I'm now an author. It's unbelievable. A- it's, it, I, I look at it and I say, the impossible has been possible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did. I checked in with Alan once or twice throughout the process going, hey, buddy, how do you do this? <laughs> how do you take like a lifetime worth of knowledge and tips and tricks and things that you're, you're so passionate about and things that you've learned and that you want to share, but how do you compile them into like a a readable, legible piece of material that somebody can actually like take something away from kind of, how do I organize all this madness in my brain (laughs) basically, you know? Um, So it was like the longest process of my life. And that's how I spent my entire quarantine. So in a way, I started writing it last year, like in late 2019, but as soon as like the wheels fell off the world and we were like stuck home anyway for 
months and months and months i thought yeah. you know what this is this is the time i gotta get it done so i just stayed in front of the computer for like 10 to 12 hours a day getting <sighs> migraines from the blue light <laughs> the blue light overload <laughs> it's all about timing <laughs> so okay before we kind of go really deep into the book mm. i'm just going to rewind a little bit and just explain to everyone um the first thing i start sort of saying to our guests is obviously when when people meet you in a bar and they start chatting to you and they say what do you do for a living i mean it's obvious what you do but what's kind of how do you explain to people what you do other than the bank loan manager <laughs> i know right <laughs> well i always say that i'm a professional dog photographer and they always basically retort with like uh or probably internally anyway. Uh, oh, so you basically you're unemployed. <laughs> I don't think people think it's a real thing, you know. Like, you know when you meet people at parties and you sort of like, you're like sussing each other out, you know what I mean? You're like, what, oh, so yeah. what do you do? And everyone's like, what do you do? And they and you're kind of defined by, you know, what you do or whatever. People are sizing each other up. And um, whenever I say I'm a professional dog photographer, I, I typically get a lot of like sideways looks. <laughs> and like, really? Is that, and, and people will go like, oh, like, that's cute do you do you like do you make any money with that or like is that just your hobby or <laughs> whatever <laughs> and I'm, I'm always very you know like kind of quiet and humble about it but I, I'm really proud to say that it's been a decade now of owning my own professional dog photography business and it's been a wild ride it has been so incredible and I've been able to see the whole world travel the whole world photographing dogs and teaching workshops and got to work with National Geographic and now write a book and it's been it's been a amazing journey and i i really truly believe that nothing is impossible so um it, i guess my weird job and my ability to live it every day is a testament to that oh absolutely i think to do something you love and it become your career is everyone's dream and like that like the 10 year thing I've, I've said you know to alan on on this show many a time that i just celebrated kind of my 10 years with kelby one I've had the best 10 years of my career. Prior to that, it was there was nothing to write home about. And and Kelby One was where we met. And it was kind of the first time you were teaching at a conference. I, uh, I think you were teaching before I did, because my first one was 2016. But that's where I met you at Photoshop World. Yep, that's right. In um, Las Vegas, yes. right? That's right. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, and that was re a really weird, surreal thing, because I'd been associated to them for a while. But, I mean, we had... So what was your introduction through Kelby One? How we how did that come about? Well, it's so wild because I was such a huge fan of Scott Kelby. And I, maybe you guys can both, you know, kind of like align with that and, and understand that. Like he's this like amazing, like godlike sort of figure in the <laughs> photography world, you know. And he's done such amazing things in the industry. And he's a teacher and he's an author and he's a brilliant photographer himself. And so, you know, I think like any like young photographer in this sort of day and age, there's a lot of ability to go out into the world and sort of um you know kind of carve your own path and make your own destiny and so while I wasn't I did take photography courses in college I wasn't necessarily like professionally you know schooled as a photographer so yeah. I sort of took it into my own hands and and one day uh, ages and ages ago I'm trying to think maybe yeah 10 10 12 years ago I just wanted to start to learn what I could. So I went online and I said, like, what can I find? What free resources can I find here? And and this way ended up stumbling upon Scott Kelby and all of his kind of teachings um, through YouTube. And then, you know, kind of stumbling upon the Kelby NAPP. one. 
Yeah. Yeah, which wasn't even Kelby One at the time. It was like Kelby Training at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, Kelby Training and that. Yeah. yeah. And then even even though I was like a super broke like student and I couldn't afford like a Kelby One membership, you could still get so much amazing information from him. Just, you know, he offers so much for free, whether it's through the grid, um, his photography, you know, podcast show, etc. Um, so I, I just really like was a sponge. And he's such a great teacher that I soaked up so much information from what he was sharing. And all the other guys who were with him, Matt Kluskowski and RC um, and just kind of looking up to these guys like oh wow they're incredible photographers they're amazing teachers so I was a big fan of Scott's and I went to a couple of his tours how he used to uh, yeah. and I think he probably still does maybe when the world yeah, seminars, yeah, yeah. when the world comes back to normal but he travels yeah. the country and he teaches seminars and so I went to some of those in Boston and I remember standing in like these super long lines in these like <laughs> dimly lit conference rooms to meet Scott Kelby you know and I was waiting there with my little camera phone like ready to get a photo at like ISO 6400 because it was so dark in there <laughs> and, uh, and anyway so long I'm the queen of long stories so long story short no, um, go for it. I, I just, I, I basically, you know, just took all the trainings and became really familiar. And then I said to Sam, who's my fiance, I said, um, you know, my dream is to be able to write a guest blog for Scott Kelby. <laughs> but I just thought that was an insurmountable dream. You know, that wasn't real. They would never pay attention to me. Like, who was I? You know, but um, after kind of starting in dog photography and kind of getting, you know, some momentum behind me and my work started to get to a point where I felt like, pretty confident in it I still wasn't brave enough to reach out to Scott Kelby but Sam was like you know what she's never gonna do it um so I'm gonna do it so he reached out to Brad who is Scott's assistant yeah and asked if um he if I could write a he you know introduced him to my work sent him my website and said would you be interested in having to write a guest blog and I mean, I couldn't believe it, but, you know, one, one night Sam sits me down and he says, I have something to tell you. <laughs> uh, you you need to write a guest blog for Scott Kelby and you've got to get it ready by, like, this Wednesday or whatever. And I was like, what is happening? Oh, my. I, like, faint, passed out, fell on the floor, kicked my feet in the air like a two-year-old. I was so excited. Um, and so the blog, I worked really hard on it and I was so excited and um, it went over pretty well. Like it was well received. It was very interacted with um, because again, I am a professional dog photographer. It was the first time that someone involved with pets or, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Alan, you were a dog photographer too. You photograph dogs as well, don't you? <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. It's not quite so it the was same kind of like the, I think the first time it was really brought to his guest blog was yeah. like in a big way was you know here here's this dog photographer and this is all I do I don't do anything else it's just dogs mm. um, and because it went over well the producer uh, Jen Coffin at the time she was wonderful love Jen yeah she's such, such a sweetheart and she reached out um, and I think she got with RC and those guys and kind of just decided that maybe they wanted to bring kind of pet photography on into the Kelby kind of slew of of a subject matter and. And so they reached out to me and they said, we really loved your blog. And will you, um, will you teach? Would you be interested Isn't in being a Kelby One instructor? And of course, I like my head popped off my body, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the same thing. I, I was like, uh, I joined, I went to my first Photoshop world. I got to meet Scott and I was like, wow, this is Scott Kelby. Got my photograph taken with him. Um, and then that was it. I was like, done. I've met Scott. I've been to a Photoshop world. I've met RC. I've met Matt. Um I was done. I met Alan. That's where I met Alan, yeah. my first Photoshop world. Me too. And then, and then because I became their evangelist at the time, which was kind of a self-made role, I was the only evangelist they had. So I created an online presence. But 
But then I got asked to write my first magazine article in 2013. And then, like you say, you get asked to write the blog and then you get to do a video class and then you get asked to do Photoshop World. And it was like, wow, 2010, I like owned a magazine and had a membership. And then yeah. it was like, I'm standing next to, I've, I've got a picture on my, um, my Behance profile is a photograph of the badges from Photoshop World of Dave Cross, Matt Laskowski, Corey Barker, and me. Oh, my gosh, right, And it was right. like, Legends, wow, right? Yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> to, to teach alongside the very people that was, were the Photoshop guys on Photoshop User TV. And so we've had kind of a similar journey, and I love that that's where we met and that's come and connected really quickly. It was so lovely to, like, fast friends kind of thing. Absolutely. I think, and, I think Dave, your first Photoshop World was also mine. I think... I recall that we were both kind of newbies and Alan yeah, was, I think it Alan was. was a lifesaver. <laughs> Alan, you showed me the way you you just kind of like put your arm around me and kind of helped me, you know, guided me to I was so nervous. And I mean, I still get nervous. Oh. I think that's never going to go away when you stand up in front of a crowd of a few hundred people at a time or whatever. And you want to kind of speak your heart. It's sometimes it's it's horrifying. But um, especially then it was my first time ever. And it was like this big giant conference room. And Alan was always there for me. And I, I really am grateful to you, Alan. Oh, I it's... think of you often because of, you know, how much a guiding light you were to me in the beginning. There. We had a mutual friend. See, um, we have a connection outside of Photoshop world through Audrey, who came to one of your uh, seminars and, and um, is the same woman who's responsible for all the four-legged people running around my house right now. So <laughs> That's right. She, she yeah. was like, you have to, she was already screaming about your your style and, your, and everything about it. Like before I ever met you, before I even knew who you were, I had already heard who you were and it was like oh wow she doesn't do pet photography she just does dogs like like <laughs> i'd never heard of that that was such a such an odd strange like because no one i knew would be that um dedicated to one thing in, <laughs> in photography where you scrape to make a living on you know doing anything and here was the dog photographer and um Audrey's a, you know, she's still a very, very good friend of ours. She actually, she's moving up to Oregon now from San Diego. We're going to be kind of bummed because she's living up there half the time. But she, Oh, I had no idea she yeah, was moving. She, oh, gosh, but it's gorgeous up there for photography, it though. She'll have the best time. And um, so, uh, so Dave, she's responsible for the for bringing Hobbs into our house when we had, uh, when, when we oh, had okay. um, Odessa. And so we had this little Demodex mange puppy brought in, you know, like, oh, just... Honestly, the ugliest little dog you've ever seen in your life. His skin was a wreck. His, um, and he had issues because, you know, he had lots of issues. And um, I told her, you know, we, she was getting into photography from what she was doing. And then she was going to all these seminars and things around the around the world. Um, I don't know if she went to Spain with you or, or one of those... One of those... Tri- yep, it was Spain. Those... Yeah, I believe I met her in Spain. And then I saw her again in New Zealand, I believe. <laughs> Probably. Was that Barcelona? <laughs> yeah, or maybe it was France where I saw her again. Um, but we, we've, yeah, Barcelona is the first one that we, I started teaching a series of pet photography workshops that are international. So we go all over the world to spectacular places and, and stay like in these in- insane, like beautiful, um, you know, castle-like sort of lodging. And it's, a, it's pretty amazing. It's been crazy. But th- that's where I met Audrey uh, the first time was in Spain. But she, when she found out you were coming to Photoshop World, she was like, you have to meet her you're going to be there right I'm like yes I'm teaching that one too so I was already like okay I need to find this woman because I've heard so much 
great things about her and her energy and her style and you know so that's so nice and then um, I remember going to my first Photoshop world as an instructor years before and Burt Monroy had I'd walked into the instructor lounge I knew no one I was like literally like I had no idea what was going on and Burt came over and he's like hi I'm Burt who are you you know how can I help you what can and I was like I want to be like Burt <laughs> everyone yes should. well then you absolutely <laughs> were you carried on the legacy yeah. you know there's always people in your life that you meet at, at, across the journey at different points that kind of extend a helping hand in such a big way that they may not even realize the impact they're having on your life in your career and there's been a, a few key people for me throughout you know this kind of big adventure that i've been on and alan you're definitely one oh, of them my appreciate friend. that it's a, it's, <laughs> so i gotta tell you i have read your whole book cover to cover oh my gosh thank you <laughs> holy moly that's a lot of words I, I read it this weekend so um i am absolutely blown away by by everything about it it um it's insanely good and we'll get in all the little details it's also one of those things where you look at it and you're like ah, now i gotta go look at all the dog pictures i've taken over the years and realize what i did wrong <laughs> like, all of them <laughs> and i'm i'm not, i'm never gonna have your style i, I don't need or want yourself but it was one of those things like oh man had i just done this had i thought of that and you laid it all out in there and just to a point where i was like oh this is gonna be like the bible for people who want to photograph dogs and and cats oh my gosh. There, there i can't is, tell you what... there's one cat photo in the, well there's one cat in the book so that's right. One. <laughs> there's one cat and there's name? one guinea pig and one cat and then 8,000 oh. dogs. <laughs> well, guinea, guinea, if you bring out a book on guinea pigs, I'll, I will buy all that. I've got two guinea pigs and I, if they if they die, I just buy more. But yeah, your next book, if you do a cat one, it'll be called Herd, Herding Cats with Katie Greer. <laughs> but there, but there's, you know, for those people who think it's just all dogs, there is, there is one cat. Yeah. Yep, so there you go. It's, it's, if you like cats, you can try it out too. Um, thank you, Alan. Oh my gosh, getting feedback on it is like pretty surreal and cool right now because, you know, I spent like a few years, a year and a half or so of my life pouring my heart and soul into this. And I never, until this moment, really haven't been able to get feedback because it's not really quite available. It's the ebook version did come out like quietly. Right. Um, but it's not, you know, it's kind of a little bit anticlimactic, I think, maybe to release the ebook like, you know, a couple of weeks before the actual book or whatever. So I haven't really talked too much about the ebook part because so many people have the actual physical book on pre order that uh, really what that means is I just really haven't talked to anyone who's actually read it yet, you know, besides myself and like two people in my family that I made read it to proofread it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so coming from another photographer and especially somebody who also has a focus on dogs and your own work. Oh, so oh, cool to hear your feedback, and I'm so grateful. Thank so you. Let's, okay, you want to talk about the book a little bit? Because I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those things that I thought uh, it was like listening to you talk. So I know you, so I know your voice, and I, I had this discussion with my wife. I'm like, as I'm reading from the introduction onwards, I'm, I'm like laughing at things, and, I'm, I, and I turn off and I said, this is like listening to Kaylee speak to me. And, sh oh, and I'm reading so it in cool. the cadence of your voice because I know how you talk. So it was very, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it worked. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's really your voice. And it was, it, not only is it, is there a ton of great information? That's, that's a given. That It's where you sneak in the little parts of the personality. Now, 
Um, there was a John Cena reference in there. <laughs> That's um, right. I forgot. Like, I totally you know, forgot. And I, and I know there's a little love of WWE going on. So, you know, it's like one of those things where it just kind of like, if you don't know, it doesn't matter. And it, it reads well. And if you do know, it's a little like, it's a little laugh. It's a little bit, oh, that's, you know, yeah. there's, there's personality in the pages. And Thank to you. get that right is, is tough. I've written a few books. Thank and, you. That really means a lot to yeah. me. Yeah, because, like, I was worried that it would be a little bit too um, whimsical, I guess, because I do think, like, sometimes my personality is, it's, it's kind of whimsical and silly and I don't take myself too seriously. But then when you're writing, you're thinking in your head of, like, all these critics, right? You're like, okay, I've got to write to, I have to be true to myself and who I am. I also have to get the, like, real facts and information through. There has to actually be a substance and, um, you know, real information that people are going to take away and make it very valuable. But at this, and, but then I need to be able to speak conversationally in a way that I feel is is I guess real and genuine but then you're always thinking about like the Amazon reviews you're like oh god what's this guy gonna say about me and what's this guy gonna have to say about this like I think sometimes people think that my personality is like a little bit I've definitely gotten the whole like oh you're quite full-on aren't you (laughs) You (laughs) and I think it's not I Sometimes I'm hard on myself. I think it's not for everyone, although I do think probably the majority of people appreciate like the silliness and the kind of not taking myself too seriously. But but anyway, I guess the point is it was it was a balance that I wanted to make sure I kind of struck like having that information for those really staunch technical people who really didn't care if I wanted to talk about unicorns and (laughs) cotton candy and magic. And then also (laughs) the people who were in it more for the adventure, for the ride, for the entertainment value, as well as the facts. So that that's what I struggled with the most, I think. Um, But I was very clear with the publisher, Rocky Nook. I mean, they're wonderful people. They're so fantastic. And they put out some of the best books in the photography industry, as you both know, since they're both your publishers. (laughs) Um, They are amazing but I, I said to them like when we kind of started the whole process I said I really want to be make sure that you're cool with me like kind of speaking in a really casual voice and kind of a silly voice and is it okay if it doesn't kind of sound like a science textbook um, and luckily they were they're so cool and young and modern and fun that they were like absolutely like make it your own so that's where I was like okay you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do this here's the green light like let's make it happen yeah I, I, I know with mine when when the conversation happened and it was like i'd been joking for ages like scott i wish you would do a book for indesign please do a book for indesign please add it to your range and then when i got asked to do it i was a bit like shit wasn't (laughs) expecting that uh okay yes absolutely i'd like to but then i'm thinking crap i'm i'm writing a book for scott kelby i'm writing a book in his series how how do you follow that like you you read Scott's books, you read the chapter intros, you again with you, you hear Scott's voice, you it's his personality. So I sort of said to him, Look, I really don't want to screw this up. I want to do you proud, I want to do me proud and and I want to, you know, make the in the InDesign industry get a decent book. And he said, Just be you. Just just talk just write the book in your voice and talk and be you. So all my chapter intros, if you just look at any of them, they've got I'm talking about Starsky and Hutch my mum baking cakes, Hong Kong fooey, just like just this random things coming out of my head where it's like, oh, this is like doing this or when I wish I could do that. And I always wanted to be and nothing got taken out. I love it. They it. were just like, yeah, that's that's you. And, and do you know, what? if people leave 
crappy Amazon reviews. I One thing I have done is I've not had a load of reviews, but I've responded to every single one. And if anything was critical, it was only about the layout, like they couldn't see something. But I responded to every single one and said, thank you for purchasing the book. Thank you for leaving feedback. Um, obviously, I could only write the book. I didn't design the book, but I appreciate, you know, what the, the fact you've taken time to leave a comment. And you will. I mean, I'm yeah. still waiting for the really horrible review and i'm sure you know you will get somebody who who make like the most inane comment that makes no sense about mm-hmm. anything but do you know what you've got a book <laughs> That's they're, they're they're complaining about a book that I, you've I'll, written i'll right. tell you so, what you will get as a complaint you will find someone who will look at your book called dogtography and that you're a dog photographer and they will get really <laughs> upset that there's no pictures of horses. <laughs> and they'll leave, and a, they'll review leave a review about how that there's... they can't figure out how to shoot their horse from. You know, I'm not. I mean, I'm joking about it, but it's true. I, I've had reviews well, on a on a book. Um, I wrote a book about Nikon Flash. It's it's four five hundred pages. It took me forever, and someone complained that I didn't cover portraits enough in the seventy pages that I did on taking pictures of people and at some point you have to realize that you're never going to make everyone happy there's no point to it you're way better off just like going cool i'm never going to make them happy and go on with it you you just need to understand you should be really proud this is a fantastic looking book and it's engaging and it's in your voice and um, the information is really good it's it's all there all the technical stuff all the lighting stuff all the things you need to do it's all in the book and there's stories in the, i'm not going to ruin it for anyone who's listening to this thing there's one story in the book uh it has to do with sam who's <laughs> no longer in the room so let's talk about him. <laughs> um uh, your fiance now congratulations um he was just your boyfriend you. when we met years ago <laughs> that's right that's totally um, right there's a there's a there's a photograph that he is in or not in. He's hiding behind dogs, holding their leashes to get them to pose as a group. That is literally made me spit Diet Coke out through my nose when I got when I got to a part of that story. So anyone you know buy the book, it's it's literally in there. But it's those little things that that just it's it's the uh, authenticity of your voice. It's the authenticity of the stories. No one's gonna make that up. No one you know decided that's um, oh I'll just you know put in this because it'll it'll help the book sell. Um, and I think it's that that lets the readers and other photographers, and even people who are not photographers, this book is just full of really gorgeous dog pictures. If you're looking for, you know, a bunch of Kaylee prints, this is probably the easiest <laughs> way to get them <laughs> for a reasonable oh, price. You. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think when people read that and, and, and get it, I think um, they will be able to relate to that. And um, the idea of, you know, lying in the ground, lying in the dirt, lying in the mud, camera gear covered with, you know, dog slobber, drool and mud is just something that uh, is so well explained and so well shown um, that, that it just it's it's authentic. It's you. It's it's how you work and what you did. And if someone doesn't want to do that, that's great. But, you know, yeah. that's then yeah. this is not for them. And you kind of summed it up yourself in the beginning. If you just want to learn how to take dog pictures, it's for you. If you just want to look at dog pictures, it's for you. 
Um, yeah, that, you got yeah, it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, um, it's called. I mean, I think we mentioned it once or twice, but it's called dogtography, <laughs> and the subtitle is "A Knock Your Socks Off Guide to Capturing the Best Dog Photos on Earth." Um, and so it's it's basically yeah, it's just kind of all my processes, right? That I. Um, everything that I've ever faced in the last decade of photographing dogs professionally and even, you know, um, my own dogs and dogs at shelters all over the world. Um, every kind of dog you could imagine that I've been able to photograph, whether it's for, um, you know, uh, a shelter dog to find, um, you know, a dog who's waiting behind the bars of a cage who's been waiting for years and years to, for a family to come mm. along and, and um, give him a second chance at life. Whether you're you're kind of taking the approach where you're trying to tell that dog's story in a single image and there's no money involved, there's, it's no, there's no client, it's only for this um, important sort of end and purpose. Uh, a photo like that, or if um, we're talking about photos that private clients are commissioning you to do because they want artwork above their mantles and their homes of these dogs. Uh, maybe it's, a, it's a, a legacy, it's a dog that might not be with us for much longer. Um, and so they want a lasting piece of artwork that's gonna kind of preserve that dog's spirit and that dog's soul for them forever. Uh, a moment that they can hold on to, you know, um, forever. Or, or if it's a commercial job, if it's um, dogs on, on set at a Purina ad campaign uh, and kind of how to approach that. and. Uh, that it, c it covers everything. It kind of covers like all those different sorts of scenarios and, and the way that I approach the different scenarios and um, all the tips and tricks that I've kind of honed and kind of hoarded away in the in the colorful corners of my brain <laughs> <laughs> over the last 10 years. <laughs> so it, it, it kind of, yeah, covers it all. I would like to also say for anyone wondering what this book looks like, we're not talking like a 20-page e-book. We're talking about 310 pages, 14 chapters of content. That's, that is a lot of your knowledge like put down for people. And, and the way the chapters are laid out, it's just so cool how you talk about very specific things that you do. But you just mentioned something there that I wanted to ask you about. You don't just shoot dogs. You have also shot dogs for advertising campaigns and you would remember the first time like you walk into a shop and one of your pictures is on packaging which I'm sure must be amazing uh, tell us about that about like kind of that first time you got commissions to do a, a, a national brand thing but also we're going to talk about you're a bit of a tv star as well <laughs> yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's weird it's there's a lot of a lot of crazy wild and beautiful stuff that sort of happened along along the way with dog breath photography which is the name of my little business um as you can see from the very moment i had this inception of this idea of dog photography <laughs> i never took myself very seriously with that name um but yeah so it's the Commercial stuff uh, just sort of organically started rolling in after a few years of photographing dogs at the shelter, um, kind of just for that single purpose of wanting to try to see if I could make a difference in volunteering. Um, and then slowly I would get um, private clients, people who were like, oh, I really kind of like your work and I really want to buy him. It's my sister's birthday, and for example. And, you know, I want to have you photograph her dog and maybe get her an 8 by 10 or whatever. It was kind of this little boutique private business and then after a while as my web presence sort of began to grow which is the absolute magic and insane power of social media for photographers um things mm. just kind of you know virally and organically kind of were going places and people were seeing my work and then I would just get these um you know emails from time to time that would roll through my inbox and I'm like is this 
is this serious? Like, is this really an inquiry <laughs> right now? Whether Yeah, right, me? I have no idea what I'm doing. Who do they think I am? <laughs> and it would be, um, you know, for pretty pretty major things. Like, it started off with, you know, because some smaller, say, dog food companies and then moving into, you know, bigger, kind of bigger businesses in the pet space. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was pretty active and busy with shooting, like, a you know, a handful of pretty large ad campaigns every year. Purina, um, Pedigree, uh Fresh Pet is one that I just did, kind of big, big names in the dog food space. Um, and I, I think the thing is, like, once one sees kind of what you've done for another brand, it just sort of quickly spreads from there. Everybody wants to have the next hot thing. They want, oh, this girl has done this campaign. I want her for this campaign or whatever. I, I think that you have to be super... Um, you have to be bold in putting yourself out there. And it's scary because, you know, the whole you feel like the whole world is watching you. And if you fail, uh, there's a lot of eyes on you. But I think you have to just um, kind of look fear in the face and walk through it anyway, you know, and say, well, if I fail miserably in front of the whole world, then that is uh, going to be how it goes. But in the meantime, I'm just going to keep putting myself out there and saying, hey, this is what I do and um, this is what I'm passionate about. And I think you can't I, th- I really think you can't fake genuine passion when you genuinely um feel overwhelmingly emotional about something and like that's your life's purpose i think that you can't really fake that and i think that like brands are sort of seeing that um anyway that's my longest answer ever for get to the point kaylee which is um podcast taught you feel the time this is great (laughs) i am seriously the worst on planet earth with just like my ability to come back around to the point in a story it drives my fiance (laughs) sam nuts he's like get to the point what are you trying to say um so anyway uh so a good example would be um like a couple of years ago I shot a big ad campaign for pedigree and it was it was pretty cool because it was adoption kind of focused it was like they wanted to you know naturally everything in the end is an advertisement right but they wanted to use adopted dogs real real rescue dogs whether they were still in the shelter or they already had been adopted they wanted them to star in the campaign they wanted all the advertising messaging to be about adoption and how that can change your life and change the dog's life and um and then you know also of course in the end the nice big pedigree logo gets slapped over the corner of everything and therefore Mm. you know in a way it's an advertisement and um I was really thrilled to be able to do that. They were they were interested in me, you know, not only for my colorful kind of in your face sort of style, but also because I'm because I'm really um, active in the in the shelter and the rescue sort of world. Um, so that was cool. That was a uh, four days of shooting. We flew down to Florida to shoot that um, because everybody wants to. I live in the Boston area. Uh, and everybody happens to want to shoot their campaigns in like January. And you're like, oh, well, guess what it looks like here in January? <laughs> like a giant poop. <laughs> it's just awful. It's like overcast and gray typically. And there's like snow that's half melted on the ground covered in emissions from like all the cars that drive by it. So it's never a great look. Um, so we, we typically have to travel for that kind of like bigger campaigns. Usually it's like South Florida or it's South, Southern California. Typically, I'm in your area a lot, Alan. Um, anyway, so we shot over the course of four days with real adopted dogs. You know, we had to um, shoot, you know, at these very different looking locations. And uh, there's a big crew. You know, of course, the ad agency comes along and the client has to come along. And then it turns into a whole thing because you got to have like catering and it's all, it's a whole thing. <laughs> and, and of course, you have to hook your camera up to a, um, a monitor that everybody, all these big like executives in suits are sitting around 
looking at the screen as you shoot and you're like horrified because you're like just so you know like um I'm photographing dogs and they move really quickly and so a lot of photos are going to be out of focus <laughs> don't freak out I promise there's going to be good ones you know um so it gets it's really overwhelming it's a lot it's it's pretty high stress and like high anxiety but um I don't know I guess I'm I'm becoming quite a bit more comfortable in those sorts of situations um so after that shoot it went it went pretty well you know there's certain days you're like oh no like do I know what I'm doing is anyone gonna find out that I'm a total fraud or what um and then other days you feel really confident you know and but it went well overall like you over there out of my way you I'm trying to shoot a dog shush <laughs> exactly you bring <laughs> you lots, this lots of peanut butter lots of biscuits lots of hot dogs and you can usually get through anything and and then yeah I mean that's tough because photographing a dog and trying to keep their attention on you when you have 400 people standing behind you with a, a ton of equipment and catering oh and people and they're talking and they're on their phones and they're doing this and you're still like um uh you know i need the dog's attention on me could you all just be quiet for i mean you uh, you couldn't yes exactly right it is it gets quite um challenging sometimes to negotiate with like the art director on the job or whoever the producer is to say like listen guys i know everybody and their mothers and their cousins and their geckos and their bunny rabbits want to come along because it's fun it's cool it's like oh a dog shoot today that's a fun one most ad agencies you know they they i think it's a more interesting day when they get to work with the animals and it's like more right. of a fun campaign than it is like a you know for i don't know for the powder man's suit or something yeah like you know whatever they're like oh it's a dog one today that's fun so everyone wants to come and i have to i usually have to negotiate quite gently with them um that i really needed to be like as few people as possible on the set but then you also want to be like easy to work with you know what i mean so it's it's tough because i don't want to ever be like a prima donna and be like i need this and this and this i want to show them that i can do my job in most circumstances but at the same time i always try to gently say if you want to set these dog models up for success and you want to get the absolute best top quality most amazing magic that we can get we have to we have to kind of consider the distractions and we need to consider that maybe like aunt mary and uncle joe who live down the street from the location who want to pop in probably shouldn't um and sometimes you win those battles and sometimes you don't <laughs> and then of course you deal with the fallout of the ones where like there were way too many people there and then the ad agency's like what happened and you're like uh well you did the thing i told you not to do <laughs> yeah. but uh anyway so here oh here i go again with my trademark phrase long story short um, long story short, I saw those um, Brad, actually, Scott Kelby's longtime oh, assistant, yeah. Brad Moore, who's an incredible photographer in his own right. He's a concert photographer, kind of like you, Alan. Um, he um, actually sent me a photo one day. He was at a, an NHL hockey game. You guys are going to make fun of me, but I have no idea who the team is in Tennessee. Who are they? And he had uh, I'm not an American sports <laughs> oh, <good>. person. <laughs> good. Nobody knows. I don't feel that bad. Okay, good. Alan's looking around the room. Okay, good. I have no idea who they are either, but he was at an NHL hockey game. Maybe there isn't a team in Tennessee, but maybe it was a visiting <laughs> game. Anyway, regardless, he sends me a picture in this giant stadium in Nashville on the Jumbotron is my pedigree photo. It's like the ad for the, nice. for the campaign we did. And he goes, Kaylee, does this happen to be yours? Like, and he sends it to me and there's this giant crowd of like tens of thousands of people. And then there's my huge, like a billboard sized ad for this pedigree campaign I shot. And it was so crazy. I mean, I got the goosebumps, you know, and it was just like so crazy to see my work in that capacity um, on that 
large of a scale you know uh that was that was pretty surreal and it's happened uh, numerous times since then um in different ways i actually got the cover of a nat geo magazine about oh gosh i guess that was 2017 so Mm -hmm. three years ago Maybe it was was about three years ago. Yeah, I think so. And that was like, are you kidding? Like walking into the, seeing it on the newsstands at the airport or like walking into the Barnes and Noble or um, just kind of seeing your photo like associated with Nat Geo in that way. That was before I did the television show with them. That was just, it was random and totally unrelated. I guess the TV side of National Geographic and the publishing side have like nothing to do with each other, basically. So it just was just kind of a random thing. but yeah, I got the cover of this this issue, Nat Geo Wild magazine issue about dogs, and uh, I thought somebody was yanking my chain when I opened that email. <laughs> I was like, "What is this? What is happening?" I thought I was gonna pass out. My face turned blue. Um, it was really incredible, and they said they were doing like a basically like a test with the cover. I think they always test like a few images for every cover with like some kind of like focus group, you know? It's so crazy how much goes into all this that we never even think about, right, on the back end. Um, so they were doing like a focus group and they were like, we, we like your photo as like an, uh, a possible option. And so even even that was like the biggest honor of my life. And I thought there's no way they're actually going to pick mine. You know what I mean? Out of how many incredible ones they probably have lined up. And yeah, sure enough, she emails me like about a week later and she's like, uh, we love your photo. We want to we want to license it for you from you for the cover. And then, you know, again, the head popping off the body and this confetti flies out of my brain, basically. <laughs> Was that the one of the, if I remember correctly, was that the one of the like the four dogs sat together in yes. with the trees behind? You got them? it. Yeah. Yes. Because so I took my daughter into. We got a shop here called W H Smiths, and we get the National Geographic magazines. And I took my daughter into Smiths, and I got the magazine. I went, "Daddy teaches with this oh. lady." She's... <laughs> That's so cool. It, for some reason, I'm, I don't know why, but I remember there was a picture of a pole. Was it a polar bear or the? I just remember going through and you had other pic. I think you had other pictures inside. You know, it's funny that I can't even answer that. <laughs> I'm thinking right now. I'm I, trying to I rack my brain. Sh- I think there was one more of mine inside. Yeah. It, because I did this other thing with Nat Geo and I uh, had like the, not the cover, but like the title opener page right. in that magazine. And I want to say that I also had a second one in there. So I'm, I think I'm confusing the two. I do remember but, the photograph. Um, yeah. I, remember, I actually cool. remember when I'm going through the book and I saw it in the, in the it's in the book. Um, yeah, and, it is. And yeah. Was, I'm like, yeah. oh, I, and your brain goes, I recognize that shot. And then it kind of does that mental Rolodex. Like you start having to flip through it. Like, where does yeah. that, where, that's right. It was on the National Geographic cover, you know, like, um, yeah. Just like, it's like, oh my God, I can place it. And then you, there's some other ones in the book too that I'd seen through Kelby One or your website or other things. Um, you know, uh, yeah. And you know what? You know what? It's, writing the book was a really cool reminder of how awesome it is to A, get model releases from all your dogs. I, like all your, right? I'm sure you face this, both oh. of you, when you're putting books together. You're like, oh no, I, I shot this random thing here or there and I never got a release from this person or this animal or whatever not that every animal needs a release but if it's property you're like a dog is technically someone's property you know you need a release you need to use it and then the same question kind of kept coming up when I would use photos of my own photos but photos that were used for other things so like Nat Geo used a number of my photos in the show they did about me they would show my like frames of imagery and originally 
I don't want to get too like contractual and boring, but originally the contracts had wording that kind of stated that the copyright would be transferred and, you know, basically I wouldn't be able to use those. They'd be exclusive to Nat Geo and I could never really use them for myself again. So luckily I had an awesome lawyer who was like helping me kind of navigate all that <clears throat> stuff and not just Nat Geo, like lots of jobs that I do, like pretty much the, the standard wording is that the, the right. client or the person on the other end wants the other party wants right. the exclusive rights. So you can never use mm. your, your photos again in any capacity, really. So when I was writing the book, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful that I a got model releases for all these dogs that I'm using in the book. And B, that like I, I navigated all those contracts successfully to say that maybe that person that I was working with at the time has a a license to use it but they never had an exclusive meaning i i still have the right to use it in my own book which is cool well that's actually <laughs> a very important thing for people who are starting out who are doing business i wrote a book on concert photography and i had to track down uh a couple of musicians that i wanted to put on the cover and um i'll never forget i had to track down steve stevens who plays oh guitar for Billy Idol. Um, and I, and I yeah. knew him and I knew where they were playing. And I had to go to a, I was going to shoot the show anyway, but I was at a club up in LA. And after it was over, I had to wait outside for him. I think it was 2.30 in the morning just so that I could get him to sign the model release of a photo I had taken of him three years earlier so we could put it on the cover of the book. Oh and my he did gosh. It, and yeah, that's the thing. It, it was fine, but it was like, I never thought of it at the time. And I never, at the time, I never ever thought I'd write a book about concert photography. So I didn't even, it never even crossed my mind to do it. Um, photographers out there listening, if you're shooting anything, you should get a model release every time for whatever you can. Yeah. Because you never know when it's going to come back. And you're going to be like, oh, someone wants a picture of a guinea pig. And I have a picture of a guinea pig, you know, but I can't use it because yep. it's not my, it's yep. not my guinea pig. Um, Right. <laughs> exactly. It can be like a it, it can be a bit of a gray line, too, with animals, because like every state has different rules on if like animals, pets are like property or not. And if you need a release on dogs or not. And so it kind of varies like within the U.S. state by state, too, which is very confusing. So it, if you can just like think of it all the time and get, even if you keep something digital on your phone that people can even like digitally sign, um, it's better than nothing. And you can always check back in with said people like for example naturally the dog on the cover of my book even though I have a release for him I wanted to be like hey you know heads up to these owners like this is it was their th he's their therapy dog so he's like a big deal to these people he's a very important little figure you know in their lives and mm. their family and I'm like I want to make sure you're comfortable beyond the fact that I have a release from you I want to make what? sure you're not like what the heck next time you walk through Barnes and Noble and this yeah. thing slaps you in the face and it's your dog and then the same with the dog on the back of the, of the book um, and then any dog that really appeared anywhere like really major and like large, I wanted to make sure, you know what, I better double check about this. Um, but you're right. Having model releases is so, uh, is so important. And at least in my case, I don't have to be like Alan and be like, Hey, uh, Taylor Swift, <laughs> can I, can I use your photo? <laughs> I forgot to get a release from you. So it's a little easier for me to track people down, but Alan's like photographing proper, um, people that i would say are much harder to get in touch with <laughs> mine were just i i was like i needed photographs for the indesign layouts and i i knew i was going to put a lot of my friends in there and try and like cram as many 
like people that I'd met at events, mostly because if they're in it, they'll probably buy it. <laughs> exactly which is right. My, <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, right. Thanked so many people at the beginning. Like, we'll thank everyone I know because they'll all want to buy it because their name's <laughs> in it. But I just went to Glyn, Alan and Brad and went, can I use your photos in my book, please? And they were like, yeah, cool. Just tell me what you need. And that was pretty much it. Three people and my own pictures off my phone and whatever because they were only in layouts and... Um, it's just like really nice when you can add that personal touch and also you've got the stories of they're not just pictures of dogs you probably know the name of every dog every location you shot it it's more than just dog dog photographer so funny while we're recording i just had an email thing pop up from rocky nook apparently there's a deal of the week for this new book called dog no way <laughs> Yeah. What are the chances? <laughs> That's crazy. So, so if you if if you got this far and you want to buy it, go to rockynook.com and use dogtography40 and you'll get forty percent off it. So you can order it now. What? Just I wanted to. So you've kind of casually thrown in oh the TV show. Um, all, we've all had TV shows. So, <laughs> no wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, because we've all had TV shows. I mean, but, you know, <laughs> we just don't like to talk about it. But if you're going to brag, I mean. I mean, how crazy was that? I remember when you got it and you kept it secret and you, you know, you edited all this stuff and all of a sudden it's, uh, I'm going to be on TV. Yeah, it was wild. Oh my gosh. How, how mad. How wild. I, I don't know, man. I, I, to preface all this, like I'm a, I'm a kid that comes from like a, like a slow, like socioeconomic background. Like a lot of things in life I felt like were, like I think I said that at the beginning of the show, I never thought I could buy a house, for example. A lot yeah. of things in life felt beyond my reach. Um, like for whatever reason, I was sort of born into this like caste system in life and that I would never get out of it and that I would never be important enough or um, I don't know, smart enough or strong enough or, you know, uh, lovely enough to to do whatever it takes to that all these other people have the capability to do. I think a lot of people actually have that really bad voice in their head, this this mindset that um other people were born underneath the golden sun, but I was not born underneath the golden sun, you know, and therefore yeah. I'm limited. Everything I do in life has a limit. There's a ceiling, whatever. Um, so and and I think even despite like having that nasty little guy in my head, I have really kind of punched him in the face a lot and said, you know what, I'm going to stand up today and I'm going to do it anyway. And I've been really proud of some of the things I've been able to accomplish and um, the ability to, to just kind of kind of like I said before sort of walk through that fear um but this was and, and again so I've had a lot of successes with my dog photography um but I guess I felt okay you know I get to a level where that's kind of it and it's the cream of the crop and I've done the best that I can possibly do and there's nothing else more to do and that's when I got an email from a production company in Denver Colorado who had found me and I wanted to, I want to say that it was on Reddit that they found my work. It's my oh, wow. crazy cuz my work got shared on Reddit and it got really like the, the thing about Reddit it's kind of a, one of the lesser known sort of social media platforms um, but it's very organic and so everything you can't really pay to get anything, you know, kind of pushed to the top or to the front page. Hmm. They call they call Reddit like the front page of the internet. So basically like everything that kind of goes viral on the internet or whatever, like it sort of starts there. It's like the birthing ground is yeah. on Reddit. And the reason is because their algorithm makes it so that it doesn't matter how many followers you have, it doesn't matter how famous you are. If you post something and it's good, it will get upvoted. If you post something that's bad, it will get downvoted. And that's and that's kind of it. And so my stuff got on the front page. And it was only it was there for like a day or less than a day, but it, it really it puts a lot of eyes on you in a very short mm. period of time. 
and actually my inbox like my inbox like broke that day i got <laughs> i got hundreds of emails and like suddenly everything wow. was wonky in my i was like what's happening here so I, I figured out where the source of it was coming from that day but anyway i believe this is where this production company saw me and it was like a casting like a talent agent who kind of was looking for interesting things and interesting people and uh this is the company the production company that made um fixer upper with chip and joanna Gaines. So they kind of they kind of look for like interesting people and they kind of look for people they feel that um, would resonate with the American public or whatever. Uh, so, again, this is all completely surreal to me, but they found me there and kind of just reached out and said, like, hey, we're you know, this is who we are and we make television and we think what you do is quite interesting. Like, could we interview you? We'd like to just sort of meet you over Skype and see if we think you might be a good fit for this idea we have or whatever and you know of course this is also intimidating and overwhelming and you're like oh my gosh this is the is this real I'm this is crazy and at the time I was teaching a dog photography workshop in Costa Rica actually when I got the email on this like really janky wi-fi I like was barely getting any emails to come through but I saw this one I'm like is this when it, is this real and when did it come through it was probably like two weeks ago but it happened to just be you know that same day and uh, I took the call uh the next day I was able to kind of slip away from teaching just for like 20 minutes to take the call. And the cool thing about when I took the call was that I was sitting on top of this, uh, like on the top roof deck of this crazy like five story house that was overlooking the ocean in Costa Rica with legitimate monkeys behind me. There was like monkeys in the trees and they were like, oh, 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 and like swinging behind me because this house was right in the jungle in Manuel Antonio. So I think that kind of bought me some points right off the bat. You know what I mean? Because they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's so cool and interesting, you know, and I'm like, I'm photographing dogs here and I'm um, volunteering at the shelter while I'm here and I'm teaching a workshop and whatever. And so it, anyway, was this a call just like we're having right now? Like we're just, you know, getting to know each other and um I couldn't tell, really. They were very nice, but I couldn't tell if they were just being polite or if they liked me or what, whatever. Um, so they're like, okay, well, we'll let, we're going to show this to, like, all these other executives, and we'll just let you know what people think about you, which is a horrible <laughs> feeling. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We'll, let some, people, we'll <laughs> let some random strangers judge exactly you. Exactly right. It's just like <laughs> I had, I've had. i just had to turn around because there's someone in my driveway randomly. Hold on. I can see. Oh, somebody, I don't know who it was, but there was a friend at my house, and I don't have any friends because I just moved here. So I don't know anyone, so there was someone in the driveway. That's exciting. Let's hope I don't get murdered during the podcast. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so so kind of uh, skipping like through my um, pauses and uh, forever tales, they liked me, and they. I had to go through a series of many more interviews, but in the end, they flew me out to Denver, and they kind of sat me down and said, we want to um, we want to make a, a television show about what you do. We think it's really interesting. We want to um, follow you uh, photographing rescue dogs and telling their stories. We can see that you're very passionate about it. We make television that is not trash. We make television that's important and it has important messages. And um, they have they make a lot of beautiful shows and shows that really are meaningful. And it's not really like a sort of the Desperate Housewives or whatever. Uh, what do you call it? Oh, like the Housewives of Atlanta or uh, one of those, <laughs> New Jersey. I don't know, whatever. It, they, they make television that kind of um, 
has a little bit more meaning and impact. And I liked that because I was not interested in making some kind of trashy reality TV about like uh, dog photography and dogs that fit in people's purses and they get fancy high-end photo shoots. Like I wasn't interested in that. So it was, they were really aligning with my values and my beliefs and basically what they do is they make a sizzle reel. That's what they call it. Uh, it's like a, yeah. you know, a five minute, two to five minute long thing that kind of pitches the idea of this show. And then they take it to all their connections in the industry and kind of see if there's any television networks that are interested in you or it or whatever, the idea. And they took it to a number of um, places, including, you know, Travel Channel, Animal Planet, Nat Geo, places that it would make sense. It's animal content. It's um, educational animal content because I would be talking about the different breeds of dogs. And then also it's feel good TV. It's not like trash and so it wouldn't it wouldn't be going to like Bravo, you know what I mean, or whatever. Oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't shit talk anyone because <laughs> you never know what opportunities will come up yeah. in the future. But you know, it's just like okay. Oh, oh no no, okay. did you hear that one time on that one podcast? She said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so so they they try to sell the show, and it it turned out that like a number of networks were interested, but the first person to really bite was Nat Geo, and I don't know. I mean, when they called me, I was actually teaching a mentoring student that had flown in to learn some dog photography for me for two days. He was staying at my house and I got the call when he was there and he had no idea that this was in development because I was really quiet about it. I'm quite, I have this weird thing where I'm really, really quiet oh. about <laughs> things that are going on in my life and like accomplishments and stuff. So anyway, they called me and I just started to, I just burst into tears because they were all on the phone and they said, Nat Geo loved you and they, and they bought your show and they're calling it paparazzi. And so, yeah, I mean, I just cried and cried and cried and this poor guy was like horrified because he had no idea what was going on. And, um, yeah, so the show became a thing. We began filming it um, like a few months later. And this was in 2018, so this was before the wheels fell off the world. So the good news was we had plenty of bandwidth to do all these big, wild things. And um, basically what happens is they do they start off with like a mini-series. And if the mini-series, you know, kind of like bodes exceptionally well, like numbers-wise and like money-wise, uh, they, they may extend it. They may just keep it a mini-series. Um, so we did, we, it was an amazing experience and it, it did quite well as far as I know, but it didn't quite outperform like their biggest show, which is this show about a veterinarian who's in his eighties, the incredible Dr. Paul, and he's wonderful and it's a great show. And like, they have Nat Geo's audience, um, the numbers show that it skews older. Um, it's just quite a bit older. Like anybody who would recognize me after the show aired when I was out in public was like typically over 70. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I it's, it's so TV is brutal and it hurts and it can tear you down and make you feel like nothing or they can it build you up and make you feel like the biggest star on earth, you know. And it was the hardest thing in the world when I found out that they just they didn't quite think that, you know, in the end, after everything aired and and. It, I got hundreds of messages from people all over the world. They aired it internationally. Um, people seem to really love it. But Nat Geo just sort of, I think they decided that this wasn't um, quite, it didn't quite fit with their audience. I, I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit younger. I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit wild. <laughs> I don't know, but most of their shows feature vet veterinarians and most of them are like over 50. Um, hey. So I'm not hey, sure. Hey, wrong with I'm, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. But <laughs> hey, oh, how aged? Do you remember that one time on that podcast? Yeah. She was so ageist. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna be Towards in trouble. I'm gonna be in trouble. So I just think. <laughs> so for now, they, so I, I I was felt really grateful to become um, to, to become quite 
um, friendly with the guy who runs the network. He's a he's the big the big ends at the network, and he's such a nice person. And he was really genuinely interested in hopefully you know reconnecting or whatever one day. But I, I guess the answer is for now it's a mini series, and we'll see. We kind of waited for a long time to hear anything, and then the in the COVID, and <clears throat> so I think at the moment it's a mini series, but you can watch it on. I want to say it's on Hulu, like premium, if you have the premium Hulu. And it's also on iTunes. You can, you know, download it there if you want to check it out. Excellent. <laughs> but I mean, how surreal that you just think like 10 years ago, you're, you're just starting out as this dog photographer. And I, I say to so many people that I speak to when they go, oh, how cool that you get to do that. How cool you get to do that. It's like, yeah, it didn't just land in my lap is I had to do like a couple of shitty things i had a couple of failures here but i got an opportunity and a chance meeting and then i got this and this opened that opportunity and people just think it does land in your lap and it doesn't and you know you've you you get those you're doing the dog shelters you feel good about it and that just shines through and i think the thing is you've built up a really good fan base you've built up an audience of people who love what you do support what you do you know they watch your classes on kelby one they re, you know they'll go on your website they'll follow you on social media and you've built you've got you know you've built a brand you've built the kaylee greer brand and, and people recognize you even if they don't know you they know your look and that's really important for a photographer to have a look because i know now if i if i'm looking through anything and i see a picture of a dog i mean that gets compared to what you do and then if i see anything that looks like one of yours i have to go and check it is one of yours. oh you're and, you're and so sweet because it's because it's such the the like there's so much fun to look at because you know every dog just is like it's like they really wanted their photograph taken and they're giving you everything they've got they've got giving you all the eyes and the smile and the look and the head and it's just so lovely you look through it's a fun it's a happy collection of photographs to look at even if you don't read the book thank you that really means so much to me and i i talk a, a lot in the book about um kind of being gifted moments by dogs who are willing to kind of give you their whole heart and soul rather than stealing moments from dogs um and i think yeah. that that's a, p a part of it is is and I talk about it a lot, like my process and, and kind of um, dog behavior and body language and how to read it and how to interpret it and how to respect your dog. And not only that, but make it like the most beautiful and most positive experience of all time for your dog. And that will show in the photos. Therefore, letting the dog give you himself rather than taking it from him. And when people say yeah, yeah. things like that, like you were so sweet to just say, you know, how happy and kind of joyful um, the photos are that's what I'm going for is like really making people feel the joy of that dog and making people feel like the real whimsy and silliness and candor of that moment um, and so I think that's really cool to hear and I'm really grateful that you see it that way um, because sometimes I see photography uh, whether it's of, of dogs or cats or any animal or even person where it's a great photo like technically it's gorgeous and it's lit beautifully mm. and it's um you know it's got the rule of thirds applied and it's got all the things right like it checks all the boxes but there's no um soul when it comes down to it right yeah. like there's no soul like the person is not giving you their heart and soul or the dog or the cat or or whatever the horse um you you can see that that moment might be forced or that moment might be um scripted you know and i think mm. that that's kind of the 
it's this really tiny little fine line, but I feel like you kind of can look at your own photos and sort of know when you've crossed that mark and that you're making work that really tells a story. It makes people feel an emotion. It makes people feel something um, and hopefully want to take an action. In my case, hopefully adopt said dog or donate to the shelter or volunteer or feel something in your heart because you know that dog has a story and he's trying to tell you through a single still image. It's not video it's not moving frames. It's one single frame that will hopefully stop you dead in your newsfeed or dead in your, you know, wherever, <laughs> wherever you're looking at, you know, dog photos um, and, and kind of take an action or make a decision. Um, I think that that's the most important to me. And that's what I try to get across in the book and kind of clearly articulate how I feel you can best do that as a photographer. Yeah. And that's the thing. These aren't dog models. These aren't like TV show dogs where they come along. Oh, yeah, my dog can type and answer the phone. What do you want it to do? Just uh, And these these are like dogs in shelter. Like you say, these are dogs in shelters. These are dogs with stories. And, they, you know, that if you were to see where they come from and, and like all these dogs have this so much love. And that's the thing about dogs is they just, they are, they are born with love. And if they lose that, it's because a human's kicked it out of yeah, them. Yep. It's because a human's taken it away. So I think, you know, when you look at them, and, and I've watched the videos, you know, we see the, the videos of the stuff you did with Kelby One and stuff on YouTube. It's seeing you around dogs. It's just such a, a joyful, happy experience because they just love you oh thank you it, it, it's like they knew you were coming <laughs> and it's like kaylee's here kaylee's here <laughs> oh that's so sweet I, I think it for me like ever since i was a five-year-old kid you know kind of running <clears throat> screaming flailing across the street to, to go kiss you know any passing dog that i would see i realized quite young that for me i felt my reason for being on this planet was to be around dogs to be with dogs to, to work with dogs and to um hopefully it, later in life when i grew up i realized that maybe it was instead of being a veterinarian it was more like telling their stories in the best way that i knew how um you know with through art with my own two hands through the lens of a camera um i always knew it was dogs i just had to figure out exactly how it would be involved mm. in my life in, in every day um in an in in everyday capacity and then i got I feel so lucky that it turned out to be my full-time career that also makes, you know, money enough that I can buy my first home. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to give credit. So if we just take like any two or three photos of the dogs and we're obviously talking about Kaylee as a photographer taking photographs of dogs and the dog's looking down and the sun's behind and it's cute. But there's also moments where Sam is stood in a lake up to his armpits <laughs> holding every electrical expensive piece of equipment above the water. And I know you've shared some stories, but can you just share one of the stories of, of like what Sam's had oh, to do? Oh, yeah. Sam, he, I mean, honestly, I, I talk a lot about him and his role uh, in the book as well, because it's easy to look at somebody's work on the surface, right? Just like go to someone's website and go like, oh my gosh, you know, everything this person touches turns to gold. You know, I know I do that when I look at like Joe McNally's website or Jeremy Coward yeah. and I think, oh, I'm nothing, you know, I'm a, I'm dirt on the bottom of their shoe. <laughs> They're so incredible and I'm never going to be able to, to be that way or whatever. So you could, you could look at my imagery and you could be fooled quite easily into thinking that like for some reason that I just, you point a camera at a dog and it's just this magical thing that comes out. 
but it couldn't be further from the truth. First of all, it takes like 300 photos to get one good one, <laughs> typically. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, I've got a lot of help. Um, it's I don't shoot with like a big crew or anything. Typically, it's just Sam and I, um, two people, but he helps me with all the lighting. He helps me with wrangling the dogs. Lately, I've hired an assistant to come on to my private shoots with me. So Sam can deal fully with the lighting. I can deal fully with the camera and the settings. And then I have a third person that's fully a dog wrangler. That's a dog trainer that sits with the dog, treats the dog, gets them kind of where I need them. Um, It took a long time. It took 10 years for me to finally even get to the point where I was like willing to bring on, you know, that third person Mm. because I feel myself I have to be like a dog whisperer. You know, I have to be like really good with dogs. But now it gives me like that extra breathing room to be like, okay, let me think more about my composition or where my focus point is or whatever when I have someone helping me and holding the leash and stuff. Um, But yes, him. So we've been on some crazy weird adventures and, and I feel I'm a really big proponent of like you can't you can't get amazing, insane bananas photos without going to amazing, insane bananas places, <laughs> you know? And uh, <laughs> Sam is a bit more of like a homebody, so he has a hard time sometimes when I'm like, oh, oh, I think on Sunday we should, you know, drive up to the Kankamangas Highway in New Hampshire and then climb that one mountain and get to the top of it right at sunset. And then we'll have a picture up there. And we'll bring, we'll bring our dog and we'll get a picture up there. <laughs> And he kind of wants to, he drives him nuts. He wants to punch me in the face. Actually, that's domestic abuse. It's fine. He doesn't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> he doesn't actually follow through on the, on the desire. But um, so he's been in some weird places with me, um, sometimes willingly and sometimes kind of against his will. But uh, one cool story was we were in St. Croix and we were there for a really good friend of ours who is graduating uh, medical school down there and so we went to his graduation but of course we're in St. Croix so we're going to do dog photo shoots of course there's no if ands or buts so this is one of the first times we were trying to photograph dogs half underwater so I have an underwater housing for my um, one of my older camera bodies my Canon 5D Mark III that's my underwater guy and so I have a housing for that so we like packed up all this crazy stuff and lighting and housings and took it down to St. Croix on the little tiny prop plane from uh, like Miami or wherever we flew in from um, and when we got there we photographed this one little dog this little rescue dog who was really incredible and he loved the beach and he loved to swim but Sam was standing in the water with me and he was holding up the light and I mean this is you know a pro photo this is electricity it's not really supposed to be in the water it shouldn't be around water <laughs> too much but you gotta push the boundaries sometimes I think uh, in photography so I was I was in the ocean with this dog and it was really like reefy like coral it wasn't a proper reef, but there was coral everywhere. Mm. Um, and it's sharp and it's, you know, kind of hard to navigate around, especially when it's wavy. So I was probably up to like my waist and or, or maybe my chest photographing this dog. And Sam was more like at his just below his waist, like he was trying to stay as, <laughs> as shallow as he could. But I needed the light to reach the dog. So he was still out there. And a big wave came in at one point. I was having the best time. Like, I'm, I don't even see Sam. He's behind me somewhere. And he's putting beautiful light on this dog, holding up a beauty dish and a pro photo. And then suddenly, like, a pretty good wave comes in from a passing boat. And I'm like, whoa! Like, I kind of get swept away, but I'm fine because I'm in a, a wetsuit and I have a underwater 
gear. Everything's waterproof that I have. But Sam has electricity. <laughs> he has a giant pro photo with a big beauty dish. And because when we shoot with the underwater housing, we can't do it. The wireless transmitter doesn't work. So he's not wireless. He's actually wired to me. So he like has to also, he has to watch the coral and then also like watch the, the connection to me and like not like, the, you know, kind of choke me out with the cord or whatever. And so he's trying to navigate all that. And I mean, that, that wave just took him out. He went. Oh, I heard man. him scream <laughs> from behind me. I heard him like, whoa, like slow-mo. And I turn around and I see the wave take him. And he goes like under. But he valiantly took the pro photo and whipped it as hard as he could back towards the beach to try to see if he could get it to land on the sand and save the day because it's, you know, $2,500 light or whatever. And uh, uh, he, he whips it and I'm like, whoa, like I see it all in slow motion. As, as his head's going under, he flicks the light off the tip of his fingers and I see it and it's like... <laughs> and it almost hits the sand but just like about a foot before the sand it goes flunk right into the water <laughs> and then oh, he, nice. so it was gone and i was horrified but then i was like oh yeah i also should worry about actually the human <laughs> sam so i turn around and i look and he's under the water and he comes up and he's got pretty good his shins are all bloody because he's got coral cuts oh. his coral was all over the place so he cut his legs all over the coral and he's bleeding everywhere and i'm like what about the light and he's like look at my legs <laughs> like it was it was such a nightmare <laughs> oh my god it was such a nightmare and so we get out and we we check everything out and we're like is he's looking at his bloody legs and i'm looking at the light and kind of glancing back at him to make sure he's okay and he's like i threw out my back and he can barely stand up and then um yeah the light was gone it was ruined it was not it was malfunctioning big time and we had a shoot the next day that I needed a light for. And so I had to call up the company and be like, uh, I'm in St. Croix. Uh, I ruined my light. I drowned it. I have a big shoot tomorrow. What can we do? And they're like, um, we could ship you another one. We could ship it overnight. It's going to cost a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever it costs. And they're like, what's your address? And of course, St. Croix does not have addresses. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, <laughs> literally everybody just says like, oh, you go to like, you know, you go to the smoothie shop, you take a left and then right up that second palm tree, you take a right. I swear to God, they don't have addresses. They, I don't know how the mailmen just know where to go. I don't even, I don't know how it works exactly. But, um, so that complicated things. And so they ended up shipping it to like the little local airport and I got it like minutes before my shoot the next day. And Sam's legs were all scarred up and he came and helped me again. So he is a trooper and there's been many, that's just one of about seriously a hundred stories like I, similar to that. I so. just have one question. How did the photo of the dog come out? Actually, awesome. I can share it with you <laughs> after this. Awesome. I have a giant metal in my, I just, so I just moved. So my, uh, we're on zoom to record this, right? I'm breaking the fourth wall. Hope that's okay. And so they yeah. can see my background and it's like the plainest, most boring background ever because this house is like a shell of a house. There's no artwork anywhere. It's just like a brand new and everything's white and boring. Um, but one day I'll hang up all my artwork and I'll be able to show you, but I'll, I'll show you. I have a huge piece, a metal piece of it that I keep in my office normally. Um, I'm thrilled with oh. it. Actually, you can even see a little fish under the dog's feet, like, uh, swimming around below his feet is beautiful but we know the story when sam and i look at it i smile because i'm thrilled with it and he thinks of pain time goes. He thinks, <laughs> yes he thinks of pain <laughs> and and twenty five hundred dollar replacement battery <laughs> do you get do you get a phone call to the insurance company and go it fell <laughs> 
just the wind caught it i thought about uh i do have insurance on all my stuff and i thought about using it but i can't remember the issue was that i needed it the next day and that my deductible was like stupid high anyway so i was like yeah let's Uh, just whatever let's just call it a loss and move on (laughs) (laughs) so obviously we've all had this weird year and you've had some really nice things happen like you got engaged bought the house you've got the book coming out and obviously that's a nice phone call to get from scott and ted rocky nook is thinking of doing the book obviously it's hard to plan for 2021 but i mean do you have do you have a future plan kind of that you can work around at the moment that keeps you being able to do what you're doing because obviously each country is different the way lockdown works and who you can be around but have you been able to kind of make a continuation or a contingency plan for the next six months 12 months for what for what you're doing because obviously book promotions coming yeah next, but it, from a work point of view how's that been yeah it's it's a weird well i think the thing that works for me about all this madness is that i am very much like a fly by the seat of my pantser sort of person and i always have been um so this year like being unstructured and weird and crazy and staying home and then um, not knowing what's next isn't that scary to me because I sort of live like that usually but um a couple things happened this year that you know were well a million things happened that were a bummer right for everybody on earth Mm. but um for me personally I had some big trips canceled actually I was going to be in the UK and I was going to be there for uh like about 40 days I was so excited I was teaching a dog photography workshop in Scotland um, and then I was going to be a week on the Isle of Skye photographing dogs. And I was like so excited because I've never been to Scotland and I've only ever been to England once. And I was only there for two, like two and a half days, you know, so it was like nothing. It rained. I remember yeah, it was, you came in, it rained and it, it was great. Yes. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to look like this rain every day, every second of the day. It was like, um, it looks like that all the so time. I was so excited for that. So I was teaching workshops and I was doing um, private sessions all over the UK. And then that got canceled because that was supposed to be in May of 2020. So we're like, well, mm. womp, womp, like no one's going anywhere. <laughs> right. So we had to cancel that. Well, reschedule. And then um, we were supposed to be in Spain in September. So we, we kind of were be just getting back from Spain now. So we were going to be there for quite a while, also teaching a workshop. So those things got rescheduled, which is really sad. Um, but the good news is they're, they are rescheduled for 2021. I guess we're sort of going to see, though, <laughs> how that goes. I have no idea, <laughs> you know, if we'll still be able to travel or not. I think the real question is, like, will we be able to travel internationally maybe we can i mean we can travel nationally within the u.s which whether or not that's a good idea i don't know i'm not the president but i will say that um you know going overseas i don't know it might still be out of the question by then so i'm not sure so i'm not 100 percent sure but the good news is that we i am so grateful and humbled and i sort of hate this word but in a way it applies like i feel really quite blessed that we have a really um formidable waiting list for dog breath photography in terms of private clients so this past summer when we got like grounded here we're like well we're stuck here in in boston anyway we can't travel we typically travel a lot i'd say typically at least 50 to 60 percent of our year is travel on the road um shooting for brands for a while it was you know filming for the show um and now it was like oh we're gonna be here for the foreseeable future well let's work on our waiting list let's see if we can book private clients so we actually booked we had the busiest summer in history we've ever had we 
I think we shot like 50 sessions wow. in the course of wow. three months. It was crazy, bananas, overwhelming, over the top, and it was awesome, and I was so grateful um, to be able to do that. So we still have quite a long waiting list, so I think if we get grounded again, then we're just going to stay here and continue to like work on that and just shoot locally. Boston has like beautiful spots. New England in general has beautiful spots, so we'll get creative with like our locations and stuff, and I think if all else fails, then we'll just keep shooting locally. I uh, typically don't shoot in the winter just because it's so cold, but I think I might take the opportunity to say, you know what, let's just do some magical like wintertime snow shoots and kind of just see where next year takes Get us. Get actual dog bread. Dog bread. Actual dog bread. Dog I know breath. I've, actual dog breath. <laughs> I've photographed actual dog breath before and I've gotten so excited. Like when it's cold enough out, you get like a little cloud of breath and that's like, oh, it's so literal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or like if you get them running around and get a sweat on and it's cold and you get that kind of steam yes. coming off them where they've gone bonkers. That's right. <laughs> and, if, and if anyone is locked down um, and looking for something to do, then when is the book due so out? So this is really exciting. So originally the book was um, not going to come out until December 8th, but don't hold that date in your head because I just got an email yesterday that... At everything happened a little sooner than they expected and so now the official release date is november 24th november 24th wow <laughs> it's so exciting i can't believe it i really can't believe it's real also it's on pre it's available for pre-order right now on amazon um and it is available on rockynook.com and also it'll be in the stores so wherever you wherever books are sold um in your local area it will likely end up there as well after the release date. So if you want to get your hands on like a pre-order, then probably, you know, Rocky Nook or Amazon is the way to go. Also, if you read it and you could leave a review, I would be so grateful for that because um, apparently the, the fancy big brains behind the publisher uh, say that it's really important to get reviews. They say that's kind of how Amazon's like algorithm yeah. works or whatever. So if they ask me to spread the word about reviews, I'm not saying you should give me five stars, but I'm also not not saying <laughs> <laughs> you should give me yeah. five stars. Well, no, I, what I always say about book reviews for anybody <laughs> is like, look, uh, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to buy the book, you've you kind of already committed to a reason why you want to get the book. When you get the book, review the content. I, I hate when I see Amazon reviews where it's two stars out of five because it arrived in ripped packaging. Yes, I've seen that. Or it arrived on a rainy day or... Uh, you know, oh, there was a small crease in it. If you're going to leave a review on a book, please leave a review for the author about the content. They don't control how it's printed. They don't control how it's delivered, how it's shipped, what it's packed in. That's an Amazon thing. So please, for anybody, any book, but specifically this one when you buy it, dog photography, dog photography um, please leave a review about Kaylee's work rather than anything uh, that should, that's out of her control because it really does mean a lot as you know we're all three of us are authors um you know we've had i've had three stars four stars five stars alan's had a whole mixture because he's written a whole bunch of different books but um we appreciate when someone buys the book however you get it we appreciate really appreciate when you leave a review and if you can tell your friends about it as well i think it's on kindle it's in print I, it's on at all the I Amazons. do believe this is a book that you're going to want to see in print. Um, I've seen the e version of it, but it's the, yeah. the big, beautiful, glossy pictures. Just some books need to be held in your hands and looked at, and I, I believe this will be one of them. Yeah, um, and 
because the pictures are stunning. Even if you're not going to shoot <laughs> okay. dogs. Okay, all right, hold on. Buy, buy the book to look at some we have, <laughs> we have to stop the whole shooting dogs thing. <laughs> you can, oh, okay. you shoot dogs, if you can't gonna, shoot children, you photograph dogs and children. My God. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you're going to photograph dogs, even if you're not going to photograph dogs, you will love the book because not only is it a great collection of some amazing photographs, but it's got some great stories and like the behind the scenes of, of, of how this works, how Kaylee gets these kind of shots. And, and then if you do fancy just picking up a camera, you can't go wrong. You, you know, you will learn something from the book to try and just get, you know, just practice. Your dog will be, your dog already loves you. They're, they're going to be willing to do anything <laughs> for you for a biscuit or some peanut butter or just, you know, so, where did I see the other day? Somebody put uh, something like peanut butter on the bottom of. I've been seeing this kind chip. of thing where people are like saran wrapping their like foreheads and then covering the saran wrap on yeah. the forehead with <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> so they yeah. can clip the dog's nails. Yeah. So the dog will just let you do the. That, that's it. <laughs> I that's saw it. it. Yeah. So the dog's so brilliant. Yeah. So brilliant. There's a fun fact about um the the book too um that. Because you had mentioned the pages, like the seeing it in physical print. And I mean, I have, they sent me the one copy that exists on planet Earth, mm. the, the kind of preview copy. Um, and it is it is really special. And I'm so blown away by the quality of the print. I can't believe what a gorgeous job they did. I really can't. Um, if a little insider kind of thing that you might not think about is that uh, as photographers in the digital age, we photograph everything in RGB color mm -hmm. profile. So it's super, it's super color. Um, colorful and vibrant and luminous and also we typically see our photos backlit by a, an illuminated screen right so when they told mm. me oh and by the way you know you, you need to this is a printing process this is a four color printing process <laughs> you need to convert everything to cmyk my heart dropped through my feet because cmyk is a real challenge for color conversion especially when you're into really bright um colorful stuff like i am my work is very like um ultra kind of comic booky it's really over the top and colorful and so I, I just doing this oh man doing those conversions was like a soul sucker because you'd see them kind of turn <laughs> like from all these beautiful colors to sort of this like matte like grayish color and it's like <gasps> my heart it hurts so bad but when i actually saw them in print they did the printer did such a beautiful yeah. job of really kind of maintaining the color and balancing everything you know they use four colors what is it cyan yellow magenta and black to make every color yeah. in the rainbow and they just they did such a good job and i'm so impressed and so i think seeing it physically is yeah. like where it's at and the other cool thing that I will say very quickly is that when I wrote the book, I turned the manuscript in and I was so excited and I was so proud. And if you've learned anything about me through this podcast, it's that like brevity and being like short <laughs> about things is not my strong suit <laughs> at all. So I wrote the book thinking like I did good. Like I made it. I think the target was like 260 pages at the time. I turned it in and they, and they, I was so proud and they get back to me and they say, um, this is awesome. We're so pumped for you. You did it. Congrats. Here's the bad news this is going to be 600 pages <laughs> and we have to cut a lot of this. <laughs> and I was like, what? Can, I can't even imagine like deleting any of this, like cutting out any of this work that I just like poured my soul into. Um, so what we, we compromised and what we did was we actually made the dimensions of the book actually physically bigger so we could get more words per page and then get the page count down that way. So they were wonderful because that cost them more money naturally, right? To make a bigger yeah, book. Yeah. So they were so cool with like being like, you know what? We can 
compromise on that. So in the end, we had to take out two chapters. <laughs> but if we didn't upsize the book to, to compensate, I would have had to lose more like four chapters. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for that. So I really like championed keeping as much info in the book as possible. Um, so that's so it's a bigger book, which is awesome because it makes the pictures way cooler to look at because they're huge. Yeah. Oh, and, of course, uh, yeah. And yeah. And also one last fun fact. Last one, I swear is that I almost called the book Snots on My Lens. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up getting voted off the island by the publisher on that one. So now, thanks to them, it's dogtography instead of Snots on My Lens. Well, there might have been a keyword oh, problem, you know, with the uh, Amazon search <laughs> algorithm. Yeah. Starting to add the word snot. Um. They, they were gently like, Kaylee, you have to have at least the word like dog and something about photography in there. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. I concede. There's so much, there's so much, I mean, I just going back, there's so much good stuff in there because one of the things that I, I am, I worked with some other photographers on, on some wedding books and one of them was a lot of lists and, and pre-wedding checklists and all these kind of things. And it never in my, like, it never occurred to me, oh, that would work really well for dog photography as well and i'm i'm literally starting a book and you're like the pre-shoot questionnaire and i was like why on earth did i never like did that never cross my mind i wrote a whole book about pre-shoot questionnaires and not once that i think of translating it over to do with dogs like what is your dog like what's he allergic to you know all these things that you covered so perfectly and quickly and make such a difference i've walked into shoots and it was suddenly like oh yeah we can't take a dog off a leash anywhere or, right. um, yep. you know, or you just decided, oh, look, hey, photograph my dog. And they unclip the leash and, you know, Fido's down on the other end of the beach in 48 seconds. And you're like, you know, what yep. happened? Womp, womp, womp. This is going to be harder yeah. than I thought. <laughs> and I, I always got a lot of fun because I used to walk in um, and I would ignore the dog for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes. So the dog didn't like, I'm a very big guy. I'm at at the time I was even bigger. I'm six foot two. I'm carrying a lot of gear. I'm just a physically large presence. So the the worst thing in the world is for me to walk up to a dog, lean over it and try to do anything. The dog is suddenly terrified, you know. Exactly right. You you couldn't be more right on it. I'm surprised, like so many people don't actually know that. So it's awesome that you're really aware of that, like your size and your stature. But the clients and, and the friends and people, they used to get mad at me. Because I'd, be, I'd like go in and we're sitting on the couch or sitting outside or, you know, wherever we are. And I'm just ignoring. And they're like, well, why aren't you taking photos? That are, why? I'm like, your dog has to calm down. And, you know, by the way, you should probably calm down, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly right. Everyone just needs to be a little <laughs> yeah. calmer. And so reading this book and realizing you trying to be calm just really amused me really hard (laughs) yeah it's really really hard for me to do i just have to like not scream when i get out of the car because all i want to do my like my primal reaction is to be like what look at you i'm gonna squish you i'm gonna we're gonna go to the stars together and we're gonna have it we're gonna ride a unicorn into heaven together you know that's kind of like and i want to kiss it and i want to love it and i want to squish its butt but i it's hard it's the same thing alan it's like you don't want to throw people off like the, the paying clients off with your energy of like kind of this um, very even composed, like oh, nothing is interesting to me sort of personality. So I always warn them. I warn them that like, listen, I love your dog and I'm going to love it so much, but I actually need to ignore it. Um, so that's a really good tip that you just said. Like that's a really great and effective way to start a dog photo shoot is like to set the energy right, right off the bat, right? And to ignore it for like whatever it takes, like 10 or 15 minutes for it to become 
super comfortable with you on its own terms. And like I mentioned in the book, like yeah. there are some dogs that you meet and pretty much right away right. you're like, okay, this dog is bomb proof. You know, this dog is like so thrilled to be alive and so thrilled to be around you. And um, you can take it a little less cautiously, but like certain dogs have histories and they have stories and they don't quite trust everybody yet. And it's that's the most difficult thing to navigate. Um, that and the owners. The owners <laughs> make it can make it quite hard (laughs) as well dealing with dealing with dogs um, (laughs) is way better than dealing with people yeah i agree with that 100 i agree all the time (laughs) anywhere ever you know i have a sign on my desk um that this was given to me it says you know what i like about people they're dogs (laughs) that's that's from my friends they know exactly what it is it's sitting on my desk all the time that's I love that one that be the person yeah. your dog thinks that's you are. That's right. That's right. I love that. I have that. I have that hanging downstairs. Of course I do. Uh, so just to finish this off then, dogtography. Uh, firstly, thank you for joining of us. Course. This has just been an absolute pleasure of, of just being able to catch up with you and seeing Sam earlier. Because um, Sam was on helping you set up and he's yep. gone out. To, to do what me and Alan had just got back from the gym but you know yeah. Sam decided to go out because he's out, he's out of shape that lad um, yeah right so thank you for joining us I, I, can't, I can't wait to see you in person again I hope there's a Photoshop world next year I hope that we're all part of something or even if you get to come over to the UK I will take a day off we'll, we'll hang out we'll go and do something um, your book is out 24th of November I'm going to ask Rocky Nook if we can give a copy away when it comes out on the show um, to a US listener and I'll see if we can get one over in the UK I'm going to buy the book I'm not going to ask for a f- copy or anything for no way I'll give, you a co- I'll give you a copy no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to buy a copy because it matters that you buy your friends books and so I'm really proud of you I'm, I'm, it's just it's amazing that that you've got this you've been able to do the book about it um, I'm going to we're going to promote it through the through the next couple of podcasts yeah. anyway to make sure it's people know work. about it anyway um, uh, i'm just going to quickly go it's like i say it's 310 pages uh 14 i think oh, no did we say 12 or 14 I chapters think it's 14. it covers everything i forget yeah so we've got uh chapter one is speak dog <laughs> so that's the important one we've got camera settings lenses dirty little secrets sunshine wrangling catch lights location expression group photo techniques shooting action the canine variety power hour which i love <laughs> uh, illumination nation post-processing giving back and finishing off with till next time so seriously go and get the book if you love dogs just get it for the pictures of the dogs if you want to shoot your dog if you want to photograph your dog <laughs> um, we're not mad don't we no it's dogtography it's kaylee greer it's rocky nook it's amazon kaylee thank you so much oh my gosh thank um, you i can't thank you this. enough this, this is so cool i'm so grateful that you had me on and 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 not for nothing but it's been a long time since i've been able to see anybody or talk to anybody I know. <laughs> because of the That's apocalyptic the year the that podcast. We're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool to talk to you guys and i'm just so grateful to to have you both on my in my corner and uh to know you and, and for your guidance in the again you know in the industry to have such great friends and such wonderful people to, to kind of just call on when times get rough or when times get wonderful it's just so so great to have such a special crew of people talented and um again i could look to both of you because you published books before i did and sort of you were guiding lights for me so oh, thank, thank you. you it's a it's a fantastic book i really I I don't say that often and i don't 
this is going to sound terrible, but I don't read a lot of books cover to cover anymore. A lot of times I pick them up and I look through them and I read stuff that I'm interested in. This one I literally sat down and started on page one and ended at the end. Um, wow. After, you know, all Thank the giving you. back wow, shelter stuff. that's so stuff. crazy. That's so humbling. Um, wow, that's wild. It was, I it was fascinating. That. I mean, and Count my... yeah, I mean, I just, I was, it really was. Like, I got it on, I think, Friday and finished it <laughs> yesterday. I was like, wow. <laughs> Thank you. It's, that's so yeah. great. I hope you didn't have to pay for it because you are a Rocky Nook uh, author. That, so. I, I'll, I'll be honest. That was that was uh, uh, sent to me as a as a PDF. Um, they, yeah, they you were on the I show. love they, it. The, the paperback's <laughs> on the way. Um, the, the, Using them connections, um, Alan. Oh, I, You're no dude, fool. The minute, the minute they said, <laughs> "Oh, Kaylee's going to do it," we're going to you know on Tuesday. I immediately dropped an email to Ted and Scott, and I'm like, "Kaylee's on, and we're talking about the book." send me an excerpt, send me, you know, whatever you can. And uh, literally two minutes later, it showed up and I started reading it that night. I, I've even talked to them about it. And I'm like, man, this thing is really good. Um, oh, that really genuinely yeah. means the whole world to me because I think one last like point we should probably touch on is, Alan, how many books have you written? Uh, I th- think it's 16 at this point. 16? Yeah. 60 i can't even imagine another minute of my life writing a book and i can't it was so unbelievably challenging and overwhelming and made me question everything about like who i am and what i have to say and does it matter and what's the universe and what is life to to be honest there's a lot of my wrote works very specifically on certain things cameras or settings or uh, pieces of technology there's only a few that really have um that I did as a passion project. The the concert photography book was is definitely at the top of that. Um, and uh, that was actually the hardest one to write. It's much easier to write when they're telling you like, hey, here's a nice series, here's a subject matter, you know, go for it. I did a pet photography book, um, but it literally had everything from hamsters to horses in it and even got to play with a snake wrangler in a, in a oh, park wow. one day, so. And try to cover everything, and it never really went into into deep depth, or with the same passion that your book has, which is the one oh. thing that was just really, you know, that comes through. And I'm and there's nothing bad about the pet photography book I wrote. It was for um, Peach Pit, uh, Snapshots, the Great okay. Shot series, and it got translated into other languages. And so that's kind of a trippy thing. That is gonna freak wow. you out. So I wow. guarantee at some point your oh, book yeah. is going to be You're... translated into a language you can't read. You think you oh, think it will? That's wild. Yeah, I, That's crazy. I, I, I'm willing to bet on it because they will. You will get a copy of a book that you wrote that you won't be able to read. <gasps> oh my gosh, Steve! Look at that. He's showing me. A, all right, como hacer es en InDesign? Esto en InDesign. Yeah. Can you read that title oh, for cool. us? Uh, como hacer esto en InDesign? Which is how do I do? Hey, that pretty good at Spanish what's there. Cool is they actually made it a bigger size a bigger dimension i actually prefer the size of this book i'd love if my book ever got a second print i would love it to be bigger like this but it's it is really cool because it's just everything i it's all in spanish (laughs) apart from obviously um but look even even just something as simple as that uh there's a page where it's called a photo album and it's a picture of my daughters they've even translated the graphic to album the photos So it's it's really cool that there's loads of stuff in there, and I know when I because I designed Glynn's book covers, um, 
and they asked for the fight the graphics for the front of the photoshop toolbox and they translated all the stickers that i'd made for the front cover it is just so cool when you see it in polish or italian or spanish yours will definitely be in another language that's wild that's ellen what language is, is that a, on this yours is from thailand wow um, so it's it's very odd to see a, a book you wrote with Oh my gosh, you're not I kidding. That's amazing. I can't read it. And it, it's one of the things. That's incredible. It's one of the things that I think as an author, it, like people say, you know, what are those dates? What are those things that stand out? And the, the day you get the contract that it's actually real. And you said oh, yeah. earlier you didn't tell anyone about the National Geographic TV show. When I got my first contract for a book, I didn't tell anyone I was writing a book until the physical copy showed up in my hand. Because oh, I was so gosh, scared that at some crazy. point I was going to screw it up, that they were going to pull, it, pull yep. it out from under me, and I'd then have to be like, no, nah, I didn't do that, and that wasn't going to happen. Mm. So that's, yeah. that's yeah. the one day. The, the day when you get the book, like, you turn them all in. Everything is turned in. You're done. Your hands are off. It's finished. Like, mm. holy crap. And four minutes after that happens is when you think of the ten things that you wanted to put in the book oh, that you, <laughs> you forgot. Yep. Like. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Actually, uh, when I was reading through the copy that I got, of course, like, all I'm seeing are like, oh, oh, there's a typo. <laughs> oh, there's a little, up here, there should be a yeah. closed parentheses there, and there's not, you know, and I'm, like, so critical, and I'm, like, freaking out that it's not absolutely perfect but it's funny there's this one gentleman who's reading my book and he's like i hope you don't mind if i send you all the corrections <laughs> and i'm like short fire away so he messages me once every few days and he's like all right this is wrong on this page this is wrong That's... but it's more like um like metadata is like out of order for some reason like little tiny tiny things but they drive you nuts because you like worked for months on proofreading and making sure everything was perfect and there's those little baby things that slip through and drive you freaking nuts always happens every single oh. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, <laughs> when I, when I did these screenshots, yeah, for anyone staying with us at the end of this, we're now going to have a couple of minutes of, of the woes of being an author. But um, something that I'd done was my, back, my desktop background was a, a, a photograph. And when I was doing all the screenshots for the first, so I've got 12 chapters. For the first six chapters, I did all the screenshots and had to color convert them myself, put them all in. And, the, and Jess from Kelby One came back because they were helping with the layout and said, there's a really weird blue tint at the top of every single menu and it should be white. Can you work out why it's happening? And it turned out that because there's a little bit of translucence in the... Um, and when you take the, the screenshots, the color from the image behind was popping through. I had to re-screenshot every single image for the first six no, chapters of my book. No, thank you. And re, no and way. And re them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> so it's like, <sighs> okay, luckily I saved all the files for, for all the stuff. But yeah, that's the woes of being an author. <laughs> but um, listen, that, thank you, Kaylee, so much. Uh, we are, like I said, we are going to push your book Make sure everyone knows about it for Christmas. Um, you can order it everywhere. Thank you. Stay safe. Love to Sam when he gets back. And Thank you. And hopefully we'll see you very soon. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope to be able to actually hug people <laughs> soon again. So that's that's been a challenge yeah. for me this year. But um, yeah, hopefully get to see you and hug you and give you at least a giant virtual high five for now. It's good seeing you. Oh, thank you. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you soon. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Kaylee. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Kaylee Greer, and this is the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Hi, I'm Kaylee Greer, and this is the He Shoots, He Draws podcast.